hello and welcome to Private Practice Podcast. I'm James Hall. Hello and welcome to a very serious episode of Private Practice Podcast. I'm Daniel P. Brown. Well, last week we left off by saying we were going to have a light and fluffy top 10 tips to improve your life this week. Yes, we're not doing that, James. <laughs> no, James, we're not doing that because... Because of many reasons, many, many reasons, some of which I know and some of which I don't know. (laughs) How are you feeling? Pretty angry. Why? So many reasons, some of which I know and some of which I don't know. Private practice podcast. Do you want to just, well, as long as the listener knows that you're feeling angry, then they can understand any strange sounding behavior from you. Or would you like to talk about it? Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's Good. talk about it. I mean, it's not just anger. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a real sense of frustration with myself right now. Okay. I'm feeling discompassionate towards others and I'm feeling quite anxious. Is that it? got any questions i thought you might thought you might delve thought you might help me explore it okay i'm just making sure i've got it first before i say anything else you feel like you're having negative reactions to other people Uh you're feeling anxious Mm -hmm. and a little bit angry but not not extreme yeah no not rage it's just a, a frustrated anger a kind of a fuck kind of an anger Okay, but for the listener, welcome to the third episode in our little um, exploration of the self. If we, Self-exploration if we call, season. <laughs> yeah, if, if we call these episodes the uh, exploration of the self, that really can include anything. We're not setting ourselves, we're not, we're not boxing ourselves into anything because <laughs> pretty much <laughs> everything to do with psychoanalysis and consciousness is within the self. And last week we looked at the, we looked at the ego and we asked, what is it, given that it's not a real thing, a physical thing? The self. Yes. The self, yep. Uh-huh. And so this week we're going to look at the importance of knowing yourself. Yes. And in the meantime, why is Dan angry? Oh, let's not get into the whys, let's not get into the wheres and the whos and the hows. Let's just get on with the episode, actually. Let's get on with what you want to talk about. Let's, um, let's set the scene, James. Why don't you set the scene for us? What are we talking about today? Let me start with a little quote that I've written in pink pen on pink paper. You can try and guess pink how that on works. Pink Yeah. Mm. Resistance to the organised mass can be affected only by the man who is as well organised in his individuality as the mass itself. Try again, sorry. What? Resistance to the organised mass. Uh-huh. So just imagine the zombies coming at you with clubs. But organised zombies. Yeah, they're coming at you in very straight lines. Formation, yeah. Synchronised zombies. <laughs> Resistance to the synchronised zombies can be affected only by the man who is as well organised in his individuality 
as the mass itself. So resistance to the machine that is society can only truly be achieved by someone who is grounded and confident within their own individual identity. Uh, there are many ways of saying this. Resistance to habitus and narrativization can only be achieved by the person who is as confident in their individuality as it takes to tackle an unfair world, given that they can't just flick a switch and make it fair right now. Cool. Uh, who said that? The quote. Not the, not the version where I changed it to zombies. Young. Yes. <laughs> and how do I know that? Uh, because I have been reading Carl Jung, The Undiscovered Self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the book was written uh, shortly after World War II, and it was a warning of the oncoming communism in Eastern Europe. It was a warning of state control of the mind warning against becoming a, a, basically a slave to the state. By asserting your individuality, by being secure within yourself as to what that is and what that meant and who you are. Yes. It works the other way, I think. So coming out of World War Two, on if you look back as well, if you were defined by your identity by the Nazis as Jew or gay, or what is the full list of all the people who got murdered? I don't know what the full list is. The list of identities. Well, anyway, if your individual identity was essentially robbed of you in favour of your group identity, such as Jew, then that determined your fate in society. So the fascist regime was a an identity-robbing regime in that sense. And the idea of communism especially under stalin was very much that a a promised utopia was presented in exchange for kind of like slavish subscription to the regime rather than me saying it how would you no and i'm not conceptualize try again i'm not quite sure what you mean yet i am the communist leader and i am promising you a utopian future whereby everything is much fairer and we live in a land of plenty where we have way more resources for everyone than is currently the situation so we're not going to have a situation where the bourgeoisie are the only ones who have all the stuff everyone is going to have all the stuff and we're all going to work hard to make Mm. sure there's lots of stuff to go around and in the future this will be a paradise whereby everyone will be much better off than they are today Mm. And in order for that to happen, every individual has to be a, a unit of workforce to work for that reality. So remove individual identity and adopt national identity. Yeah, you can't have a whole load of individuals having their own idea of how this is going to work. I, James Hall, megalomaniac child, communist leader, I have already designed how this future is going to look. And in order for it to happen, you have to do what I say you cannot have an opinion, you cannot deviate. And so the payoff for this utopian future whereby everyone has access to abundant resources Uh is that you have to follow the rules and work for that to happen. And then as 
turned out there never was a utopian world with abundant resources. There was just an army of clones. Apart from North Korea, of course. So what are you saying? Why are you bringing this up? So where, that was, where are we leading this to? Where so, is this leading to? So that was the context. When Carl Jung wrote The Undiscovered Self, uh-huh. he was warning against the individual being lost in a world of extreme political ideology, whereby the ideology takes away your individuality and you don't think as an individual, you think as a citizen of the state, you think as a Jew or you think as a Nazi or you think as a comrade and gradually freedom of speech is taken away and freedom of speech really extends to freedom of thought. And so Carl Jung was warning against that when he was writing the book, but the book has some identical relevance today. So the, uh, the title for today's episode is what? The actual title of the episode is probably The Discovered Self. Oh, very good. The Discovered Self. So what are we talking about? We're not really talking about communist or, or, or communism or fascism, which is one of obviously your favourite dropping topics. The Nazis and fascism. <laughs> Drop it in anywhere. Compare everything to them. <laughs> um, you know, flow, Nazis. Uh, the self, Nazis. The undiscovered self, Nazis. Problems, Nazis. Perversion Nazis. And it's interesting just because when I was at school, I had no interest in history. I dropped it as soon as it was a possibility. It was the only subject where I did really badly at school. Was it? (laughs) What about maths? Um, I didn't do really badly at maths. I managed to scrape through maths. I even continued. I did better than I expected at GCSE and continued it into A-level. So the undiscovered self... This episode is about reasons why you should introspect. Give me another word for that, an accessible, relatable... Explore. Explore yourself. Mm. Explore yourself. Touch yourself. You are paid to know how to talk to people and explain things. Mm. So what is introspection? This exploration of your own mind. What does that mean? How do I explore my own mind? I don't know what that means. Very good. You're looking at your thoughts, your... Focusing on your feelings, you're thinking about why you think about things. You're thinking about why your thoughts are worded in a certain way. You're thinking about the intensity of your thoughts. You're thinking about the experiences that you've had that stay with you. And you're thinking about how that has changed and and chiseled and developed you as a person. And you're thinking about whether there are different ways to think and feel about things. And so now I will try and explain what the parallel is between that and, you know, why the hell have I got this book here? Why am I waving this book around? I'm going to read what it says on the back of the book, just so that it's not me. Yep, you love that, so go on. In The Undiscovered Self, Jung explains the essence of his teaching for a readership unfamiliar with his ideas. Mm -hmm. He highlights the importance of individual responsibility and freedom in the context of today's mass society, today being the 50s, and argues that individuals must organise themselves as effectively as the organised mass if they are to resist joining it. To help them achieve this, he sets out his influential programme for achieving self-understanding and self-realisation. 
The Undiscovered Self is a book that will awaken many individuals to the new life of the self that Jung visualized. So firstly, I want you to describe yourself. Um, okay, what, how I look? Firstly, I just want you to describe yourself with no more context. Like you don't, you don't, okay, okay, you don't okay, know okay, what okay, I want. Okay, okay, I am a smart, lazy, um, kind, funny, white, early middle age British homo. Okay, so if I said that I was actually a recruiter, um, you probably would have missed out. I can think of three of those words that you probably wouldn't have included. Lazy. Yeah. Homo. Yeah. Maybe kind, I don't know. Well, I would have gone with white just because that's not a reason for me to hire you. Or from your point of view, I may have some kind of diversity quota that I haven't um, achieved over the past year and you the white man can hop it because your lot have had it good for a long time haven't you mate well I might have left homo in then mightn't I <laughs> so what about if it was a dating profile uh, well I think I had on my dating profile selfish rude idiot mostly so you just wanted to seem like you were funny no that was the truth <laughs> I mean, but yeah, of course, it does seem funny, but it's the truth. Okay. And... Um, Actually, maybe not the idiot bit. What's your favourite? What's, what's, your, what's your strongest strength? My strongest strength is um, problem solving. And what is your weakest weakness? Um, timekeeping. Correct. And... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that validation that you know me as well as I know myself. Um, but so then, then the next question is, I know you as well as you know yourself. Mm -hmm. You've just listed a whole load of things that I can observe from the outside. Oh, I see where this is going. This is good. good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've listed a whole set of mostly observable things. Yeah. Uh -huh. Th things that I could probably just guess about you just by means of you being oh. a human. Oh, I see. Do I get another go then at describing myself in ways that you don't know or ways that aren't observable? If you want, try that. Wait, hang on a second. How about... <laughs> let's, just, let's, just, um, let's just spin the lazy Susan around. <laughs> let's, uh, let's turn this podcast on its head. Yeah. Ready for a wild ride, listener? You describe yourself. Megalomaniac child and autiste who spent his life in a lot of confusion with none of his repressed or very much conscious desires ever being met, flailing around with, seemingly with his eyes shut, desperately hoping that something would stick. It never did. Went on a massive escapist bender and came back slightly more focused on trying to achieve certain things and has come back from... France, feeling a certain amount of clarity that was not there before. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess a lot of that you wouldn't put in a CV to a recruiter either, would you? They wouldn't be able to make sense of it. No. Um, and what's your best quality and your worst characteristic? My best quality is probably... I don't know. Here, are, here, can I give three and 
see if one of them sounds like it's better than the other. If you like. One for, what for me to choose from. To be honest, I don't know. Things that popped into consciousness out of my control. One of them was sort of like critical thinking, like being able to hear someone's argument and work out where there's a logical gap or something like that. It's a combination of... Um, I definitely specifically learnt that in critical thinking at Hillsborough Sixth Form College as a student and in other disciplines over time. But I've probably honed that in adulthood so that I can say this with some convi- with more conviction than if it had just been AS level critical thinking and whatever random influence I had as a child. But I don't know that I'm so, I don't, I'm not a practiced debater. I'm not, I'm not I wouldn't go so far as to say as amongst all the humans in the world, you know, look up to me as being the best at that because I'm not I'm not forming what you're best in the world at. Okay. So that popped into mind. Another one that popped into mind is being able to like in order to be funny, kind of like taking two disparate ideas of whatever and bringing them together. I can um, I can definitely kill a joke by explaining exactly why it's funny until no one cares anymore. That's uh... exactly why it's funny to you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's something I'm good at. <laughs> something you're good at. And worst at the first thing that pops into mind is numbers. I can't juggle numbers in my head, so that's not oh very interesting. God, it's not something you want. Boring list. <laughs> I'm logical, but I'm not good at numbers. <laughs> I don't think anyone is very good at describing themselves, and I'm certainly no different to anyone in this. Mm-hmm. Personality-wise, I don't really know how much I know myself. I know times when I can identify times in the past when I was kidding myself, when I was confused, when I didn't have enough information to make decisions, when stuff like that. These days, all I can say is that I'm better than I used to be, and I don't know how good I can get and how mm-hmm. way off that mark I am now so so what do you think the average you, th- you said like you don't think most you think most people aren't very good at describing themselves or, or are you saying they're not good at knowing themselves okay well now I can actually read young uh-huh. verbatim uh-huh. there you go look at that setup do you like that <laughs> it's good that wasn't it most people you like how this is sort of like uh this has got I can't think of a metaphor. Rings of Mikulichitz and Mikuli. That's not... Rings isn't... Chimes of him. Echoes. Uh, Echoes of Mikulichitz and Mikuli. Or rather, Mikulichitz and Mikuli would be an echo, given that he was writing in the 80s, this is the 50s. Um, Most people... From my lofty plateau, I can say that most... I can say down to the masses that most of you confuse self-knowledge with knowledge of... Your conscious ego... No, I'm just going to read this because I just yeah, changed it to I you. Didn't, I... Most people confuse self-knowledge, in quotes, with knowledge of their conscious ego personalities. I'm a bubbly individual who likes to curl up on the sofa with a bottle of wine and a DVD. I'm a real people person. I'm a bit wacky sometimes, but I love cats and going for long walks, going to the gym, and I love travel and cooking. Yeah, or... Um, I'm really logical Uh, I'm really good at telling jokes that no one laughs at and I'm not very good at numbers (laughs) exactly anyone who has any ego consciousness at all takes it for granted that he knows himself but the ego knows only its own contents not 
the unconscious and its contents. People measure their self-knowledge by what the average person in their social environment knows of himself, but not by the real psychic facts, which are for the most part hidden from them. Oh, boom. That's, that's shot us down, hasn't it? Our description of ourselves. So quite often things repress desires. Like for me, I joke about being the megalomaniac child, but it is one of the most useful subjects around which to dance in introspection. Mm -hmm. That has been the case of the past year, because if you think about children's fantasies, children's pH fantasies, children's desires, children's urges and so on are way more pure than adults the same goes with dreams children's dreams are much easier to interpret in terms of unconscious desires than adults when you get an adult saying i was a i was riding a horse through the supermarket and i needed to urinate and then the cocoa pop said to me remember what your aunt said and then they disappeared and became a frog and the analyst is going that's interesting what more can you tell me about that thinking how am I supposed to make any sense of this Mm -hmm. whereas children are more likely I think to dream along the lines of I want this thing yeah so as in yeah like about a bike or a train or a feeling angry with daddy it's the same as actions so identifying what's in the unconscious isn't the Freud and Jung both wrote about dream interpretation and that's a big part of psychoanalysis especially for Jungian analysts and for anyone not familiar Jung worked with Freud and he was his protege in many ways I believe yeah Mm. Um, and later on developed his own or developed Freud's ideas his own way and is often I think considered to have improved upon Freud's thinking Mm -hmm. mm-hmm 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 but they both wrote about dream interpretation, but that is that is one very effective way of knowing what's in your subconscious. But we're not looking specifically at the subconscious or the unconscious this week. We oh, might, are we not? We what are we looking at this week? We're looking at the conscious knowledge of... Well, right now we are looking at the subconscious. <laughs> Isn't that odd? Because that's exactly what I thought we were talking about this week. And I was wondering when you were going to mention the word subconscious or unconscious or what lies beneath yeah so knowing yourself is essentially what we are talking about is getting to know your subconscious before as was the time of Jung the state knows it better than you do so when I say to you describe yourself I'm not talking about any of the things that we've just said I'm the real answer to describing yourself is things along the lines of I want to prove my brother wrong from all those years back Mm -hmm. or following that abusive relationship I want to show the world that I can do anything just insert something there that you want to prove it can be uh, growing up working class I want to make sure that I have things or that I don't have things and that no one else has things because I never had them when I was younger or that or whatever your unconscious desires from childhood are often part of your personality for life if you don't know what they are. Ah, and do you know what they are? No one can ever fully know the unconscious. That's a, a problem of psychoanalysis and the problem of consciousness because if you think of the scientific method, you have a 
hypothesis, an idea. So you say, for example, I think the world is round, and then you say, I'm going to test it. Well, how can I test this? Well, I will use this measuring device. I will put these three points on the planet, and I will measure the distance between them, and lo and behold, the Earth is round, or whatever it is. And then when you've tested it, you try and disprove it. So even though I believe the Earth to be round, can I prove that it's flat? and you use your measuring devices to see if you can prove that it's flat and you can't, etc. That's the scientific method. You try and disprove your theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no human that can ever disprove consciousness because they are coming at it from the point of view of being a human being with a mind that they don't understand, so they can't prove or disprove it. So the only way to have any kind of scientific method would be to have an outside perspective, i.e., some kind of alien intervention whereby the aliens have their own conscious ometer and they test a human and they test a cat and they test a rock and they see whether it goes beep, 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 or beep, 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 or if it's just dead and nothing registers at all. Mm-hmm. Is the light on? Is there a dimmer switch? Or is the light off? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... In answer to your question, there's no way that I could know what is in my subconscious fully. But what I can do is things like I have noticed in the last few years that my dead father features in the majority of my dreams when I remember them when I wake up. In the, in the vast majority of them, he is still alive and without question. Although there was a, there was a period I went through where most of the dreams followed a similar narrative of him having been in hiding and he suddenly comes back and therefore it's a, it's a discovery that he's that he never died it was all a hoax and he had disappeared and then he suddenly reveals himself to still be alive and i explore my feelings of anger and resentment in those dreams and that i don't think i don't remember having a dream like that for a long time but uh, in, it's, I feel like many of, re- many of the recent dreams I've had, he has just been alive. So there's, n- there's, no, there's been no coming back. It's, it's just a given that he's there. Uh, I'm not sure if they've all been sort of like in a sequential narrative whereby he came back and now he's just there and I accept that he's there or that he never went away or died in the first place. He's just still alive. I don't fully understand what that represents. The same goes for my phobia of blood. I know that I have a phobia of blood and I don't fully understand what that represents. But the fact that I have a phobia of blood is a line of inquiry to pursue. Hopefully not for the entirety of my life. It would be very exciting if I could actually try and work out what that means. But there's every likelihood I never will and will die not knowing why I have a phobia of blood. Mm-hmm. But things like that are more profound expressions of your desires because most most things that you do, most things you want, come from the subconscious, subconscious desires that control your type 1 thinking. So the subconscious or the unconscious mind is the protected, suppressed thoughts feelings desires attitudes and the kind of the workings out of all of your experiences that you wouldn't normally have access to in your conscious mind it is the below the surface i think the conscious mind is often described as the tip of the iceberg when it comes to human 
desires and motivations and 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 processes and so the unconscious mind is everything that lies beneath the surface so like in a job interview if someone says tell me about yourself a more honest answer might be I'm someone who's going to constantly undermine you and criticize you because I need to prove myself right because no one gets me everyone thinks I'm wrong all the time was that you I don't I wouldn't say that's me now. No, I don't know if I've been like that before. You said what? <laughs> I'm someone that needs to constantly, will constantly undermine you to prove that I am right. Because no one gets me. Fuck, James, you didn't mean that to come out, did you? <laughs> oh... Ooh. Oh, and I just scratched the back of my neck, and I didn't. I don't think there was an itch there. There was no itch there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so the, well, if that if that were true, which of course it's not, James, about you, um, that would be an exact example of it. Something can come out of the unconscious in a way like that. I'm not talking about myself, but fucking hell, aren't those people stupid doing that stupid thing? You know, you can mockingly, jokingly, like uh, passive aggressively or um, playfully say something that you think you don't mean, but actually it's something that you'd really like to be able to say or an attitude you'd really like to be able to express, but it'll come out in a joke or a, a story or a, a behaviour. And that is a kind of an external or a, um, yeah an externalizing of an internal repressed idea that you have or a belief that you have yeah not to mention the famous freudian slips or freudian clits freudian slips yes yes which is used quite frequently but uh you know in you know it's relatively it's in the, the common tongue isn't it you know people say freudian slip and they get that idea don't they yeah our listener will definitely get that idea that's the basis of it isn't it saying something that you really think accidentally when you're trying consciously to say something else but without any awareness that you wanted to um to say that thing yeah um and think of other examples of describing yourself like for example so when you can look at someone else and they don't hide their intentions very well they are basically describing themselves to you in a more honest way than their LinkedIn, Tinder or spare room profile would ever say. So all the rubbish that you read on that about I like cooking and travel has got nothing to do with the person. Even personality tests, like sort of, to some extent, they are useful tools for assigning different roles to different people. But that's got nothing to do with understanding yourself so much, unless it's a very complicated uh, psychodynamic test led by psychologist a clinical psychologist for example if it's just a personality test well i mean ranging from which friend's character are you mm-hmm. um right the way through to sort of like are you entp or whatever but Myers-Briggs. It, it, am, I, am i wrong isn't the myers-briggs based on carl Jung personality typing quite possibly it's, it's just the the scale of these personality tests 
varies hugely as to how much they actually tell you about your personality. In fact, a, another, a, another example of a stupid one uh, would be some of the experiments we've both been watching on 100 humans, is that what it's called? Something I believe so, yes, yes. Whereby they get 100 people and they work out, do men or women talk more? And then of those 100 people, they have whatever random outcome and then they'll have sort of like... Helen, a professor of gender studies at small town university who comes in and says, well, uh, women um, often feel they have to prove themselves more because historically they've been downtrodden by the patriarchy. So that's why you'll find them using more words to uh, describe something because they're used to having to prove themselves. And you think, okay, well, that's a fairly straightforward conclusion that I could have drawn without doing your test. So what does your personality test actually tell me? Not very much. Not very much. No. <laughs> um, and also with those things, and, you know, everyone's guilty of this. If you are, I mean, unless you are pretty much an idiot, when you're doing which friend's character are you, if we take, you know, the jokiest version possible, you know how to answer that so that you can end up as Rachel. Yeah. You know, and you know how you can answer that if you want to like befuddle the quiz and end up as probably Ross because he doesn't really have a personality. Um, so you just choose random answers each time, you know. Oh, which, which you're going out for the evening. Which clothes would you wear? A Calvin Klein dress, a flowery patterned hippie skirt, a suit, a baseball jacket and some tight jeans or a tight black top that shows off your slim midriff. You know, uh, a, a, a suit with a collar and a tie. Oh, I mean, which one's which? Who's who? You can always tell what the answers are. You know what the questions are suggesting. And even with the better personality types, the you know the Mayor's Briggs, you're like, um, if you got a kind of a scale of like um, a Likert scale of um, very much so to uh, definitely not, with a possibly in the middle, and they're asking you, uh, do you like to be heard in a room full of people? If you don't like the idea that you like to be heard in a room full of people, but at the same time, quite often when you're in a room full of people, speak louder than everyone else. If you don't want the test to say that you're a loudmouth know-it-all who thinks they're the boss, you'll get, get you'll say, oh, definitely, no, I definitely don't. I definitely don't like to be heard when I'm in a room full of people. No, I don't. And then you get to the end of the test and you're like, a, you're a... a a TFPJ and you're like I'm not fucking TFPJ this is nonsense <laughs> and then you're like no let me go back let me go back I'll do it again I'll do it again do you like sometimes like to be heard when I'm in a room full of people yeah when I'm with family I do like to be heard and you're like yes I'm an ENFP good that's right because I think I'm an ENFP and an ENFJ or something or a JTPF you know it just depends on what mood I'm in answering the questions really yeah so a more accurate personality test would be the 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 impossible one that the aliens bring to earth that can dive into your subconscious and say no no you can't use something that doesn't exist to say well a more accurate test would be as if they had a more accurate test (laughs) it's as simple as that i mean the only way to really know what your personality is if we use a personalityometer right james so useful the listener at home is making notes and going ah when the aliens come ask them firstly Welcome, welcome them in all languages I can speak. Then think about what they might have said in Star Trek Discoverer. Uh, then use the Vulcan. And- Imagine if the aliens landed now, and by some miracle they spoke basic or they spoke intermediate French. 
and I just started showing off um, and saying th saying obvious things like, uh, oh oui, c'est mon ami Dan, uh, il est très très stupide and you could kind of get the gist of how I'm taking the piss out of you and pick up most of the words and then I would just be standing there basically I, what I'd be doing is look at me I can speak French I'm I'm better than you because I made that effort and now that the aliens have landed and it turns out that they speak French too I'm the one that can speak to them which means I'm better and I can make jokes at your expense and that shows off that I can do that yeah well if I were to do that, then that would give a glimpse of my personality and the, some idea of... Yeah, yeah, your true personality. Not something that I would have put in my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, the bit that likes to undermine people because you have some desperate need to be accepted. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Like, we're talking about exploring that part of yourself that is almost too painful or too uncomfortable or too weird to accept even if you've got inklings about that part of your personality um and that's that is what exploring the unconscious mind is about you you won't come up with a list of you might you might come up with a, a small list but you won't you won't fully know what is beneath the surface but you'll start to get inklings of the kind of uncomfortable drives that you have and the uncomfortable attitudes that you hold about yourself and towards others um, so that you don't have to meet aliens to know that you are how you are. <laughs> okay, so let's try and bring some of these ideas together. Why... What was Young warning about in the 50s going on about religion and communism? And in fact, if I give a little bit of context to this book, The Plight of the Individual in Modern Society, this was where he was giving the context of the rise of communism in Jeez, Europe. Yeah. Religion as the counterbalance to mass-mindedness. And he talks a lot about God in the book, not as a real bearded man in the sky who created the universe 2,000 years ago, but as a symbolic... <laughs> order higher than the state so a lot of people in this country who favor maintaining the monarchy the prime minister in the current situation boris johnson is not the ultimate power in the uk there is boris johnson but then he is he has to bow down to the queen yeah. so Therefore, you have a political leader making all these decisions who doesn't have that feeling of being the top number one they still have to bend their knee and get yeah. down to a little old lady and, and... Kiss her ring. Or whatever it is, yeah. And the, even beyond that, the queen is supposedly the head of the church and she is not as great as almighty God. And therefore, all these people in some kind of leadership responsibility don't feel like they are the supreme almighty like me the megalomaniac child thinking they're the most important person in the world because they are the head of the state and they don't believe in god so there's nothing above them they are number one no one can say that they are wrong the uh, jung was particularly warning against the tyranny of communism whereby religion is sort of like reduced to a kind of a hobby as opposed to a moral guide for living your life because the guide for living your life is the ideology of the communism mm -hmm. so 
if we look at the example of me as an as a as considering myself as a me- megalomaniac child where i used to think i was so important i was my dreams for the future were always i want to build cities i want to edit magazines i want to control this control that control the other mm-hmm. i certainly had very little parental dominance at that point i had a quite strict school sort of like hierarchy it wasn't the kind of school where 30 kids just did what they wanted and reigned terror and the teachers were more scared of the kids. I went to the kind of school where there was very much a feeling I had of talking to them as equals. Um, oh. Let's just park my personality for a minute. I think there are a number of things that we could go back to there. Let's, uh-huh. just, let's just stick to what uh, Jung was talking about in the book. But we can definitely bookmark me thinking I could talk to my teachers as equals. <laughs> Um, but he was talking about religion as being greater than the the greatest man. So no man feels like they are beyond criticism because they are judged before God. Even if you don't believe in a literal God, the idea that you are less than something else is the symbolic meaning of Christianity, according to Jung. Then... He talks about, in the next chapter, the position of the West and the question of religion, talks about how religion has gone from being, of having that role to being, uh, he calls them creeds, whereby they're more of a hobby. Uh, Like, the religion itself goes along with the nationalistic ideology rather than being separate to the state. Religion is just a follower of state, like a unit of human being as a a unit of workforce. Uh Uh-huh. I think I've understood that right. Don't absolutely take my word on that. Okay. Um, Then the individual's understanding of himself. This is where it looks at the difference between this kind of like superficial understanding of your personality that anyone else could just guess or read to the concept of the subconscious being the real... I mean, and also when we've looked at free will... And when we've looked at core beliefs and all these kinds of things, we're talking about what makes you do the things you do. When we talk about mindfulness as well, that's one of the ways of accessing the subconscious by noticing the thoughts coming into your head as they arrive. Mm -hmm. Jung warned against communism, essentially. (laughs) If you do not understand yourself, if if you think that your personality is I'm a bubbly ENFP, people person yep, yep, yep. who loves to travel and cook yep. um, then you are but also likes a quiet night in on the sofa with Netflix and my cat yeah yeah. Um, yep. then you are easy to manipulate by the communist state according to the warnings of Jung back in the 1950s so when the communist state says to you we're going to improve your life by creating a wealth of resources for everyone you're going to have more than you ever had before and in order to achieve this you need to sign up and then be a dutiful worker and contribute for the greater good of society and fairness in the future. And it won't be the case anymore that the bourgeoisie have everything and you have nothing. God, it sounds brilliant. So that was what Jung was warning against. But today, not only do we still have that situation whereby these ideas are very popular with young people today, but the idea of technology is the real reason why it is more important than ever to know yourself because otherwise your phone and by extension google 
Apple, Facebook, Amazon will know you better than you know yourself. If you don't know yourself, if you think you're just a bubbly person, then the artificial intelligence will be way more intelligent than you are and will be able to gather your data and predict your behavior and will be able to just make it easier for you to do what they want you to do. Because make they the know. decisions that they think you should make. Can we give an example of, to illustrate that? Well, we can actually. Two weeks ago, I looked at a very lovely pair of jeans that were quite expensive from a very nice company, Hewitt Jeans. And every single day, if I've looked on Instagram or gone on to Google, there is an advert saying, you came very close to buying these jeans. And then giving me an advert specifically, Dan, you came very close to buying these jeans. Here's 10 reasons why you should buy those jeans. And, and, and I'm telling you, it, they're still telling me every day that I should buy those jeans. That's a very simple way, because I do want to buy those jeans, but they're at £200. So what am I going to do? How long are they going to ask me to buy those jeans for? Is that a good enough example for you? That's a good example of where we're at at the moment. That is the current consumer mm -hmm. observable level of understanding of this mm -hmm. by corporations the the rate of change with technology means that it will in who knows what short time people will be looking back on this quaint idea of worrying about the advert saying you looked at some jeans you didn't buy them here's a here's another reason that you maybe didn't think of do you want to buy them now that will seem like such an innocent time where you were still in control and you still were able to think oh i know that i'm actually being advertised jeans and oh they are a bit expensive no i think i can make the choice not to buy those jeans. Mm -hmm. We're still living in a time where you are not yet less intelligent than the corporations or the, the device that has your data. Let me see. So what do you think is going to happen, James? I think it's highly likely, without being a crazy conspiracy theorist, I think it is not unreasonable to predict that with the amount of data that will be in the hands of a small number of large companies, they will be able to predict your behavior with quite a lot of accuracy and will be able to be way more subtle than some trashy ad that flashes up on a web page and irritates you when you're trying to read an article. The, the current situation that we're in at the moment is incredibly crude and simple. In the future, the not too dis distant future, mm -hmm the more sophisticated it becomes and the less aware we are that this is some irritating banner advert or whatever, the easier it'll be to make people do things without them realising that a company is making them do something, that people will believe that they are acting within their own free will. Okay, well, what good then would it be to know your unconscious mind if if these if this artificial intelligence, as you keep calling it, is going to be so subtle and clever that I won't even know that I'm being manipulated, what good is it knowing your unconscious mind? I buy jeans for validation from the crowd. I buy jeans to show off 
how, how much I can afford or how good I look or whatever. I buy jeans to get sex because they hug my legs and make me look bangable. I buy, if the more you are aware of the reasons why, and those are even quite simple ones. I buy jeans because having been abused as a child, I want to assert some kind of dominance and control and this and the tight fit of these jeans will make me somehow more imposing as a silhouette. The more detail you can go into, the better you understand the reason behind your decision to buy jeans and the better you can you can know whether it's a good choice or not. You can decide for yourself whether you actually want to buy those jeans or not. I, I kind of think that you're, I mean, I'm speaking really for myself here, but I kind of think you're minimising how intelligent someone can be. Influence is there, and influence will become more subtle and more powerful. But I think people know that they're being advertised to, they're being marketed to. What we do at the moment... Private Francis Cat has joined us. Um, yeah, we do at the moment, I see. Well, it's a bleak future then. Well, not necessarily. It, was, it seemed like a bleak future in the 1950s when Carl Jung was predicting that we would all be slaves to communism. I see. I see. There is a possibility that in the future we will all just be mindless slaves to artificial intelligence and have no sense of individuality but there's equally no reason why that's inevitable and that that is going to happen and you think that by exploring your own listener uh your own individual unconscious mind through mindfulness positive mental health techniques the understanding of psychological techniques and through psychotherapy psychodynamic psychotherapy you can galvanise your strengths and your resilience to artificial intelligence taking over. The only thing I can say with certainty is that you will have put yourself in the best possible position you can put yourself in to maintain some kind of consequential self whereby your decisions are decisions that you are making in your own best interest and you're not being manipulated. There's... No telling how intelligence, artificial intelligence will become and whether it will just simply be impossible for brains with the for humans with the limitations of their brains to ever regain uh, any kind of consequential control because they're just the, the you know the the playing field is completely unfair. It's like pitting a world heavyweight champion against a toddler and telling them just you know see who wins in a fight and then the toddler is pulver and with no laws or like the the world heavyweight champion can just pulverize that toddler to a pulp to win there are no laws in this psychological experiment it's just who wins well it's going to be the world heavyweight champion who can just pulp that child into a smoothie and drink him Okay. But that's a metaphor for the equivalence of a potential super artificial intelligence of the future, whereby the human brain is just not capable of competing. And so no amount of introspection will ever get you to a position where you are equipped to take on that enemy. But for as long as artificial intelligence is not that intelligent, or as long as human beings 
collectively agree that they don't want that. The individual who knows themselves as best they can is as best equipped to continue making choices in their own interests, consequentially for themselves. And back to the comment that we, uh, the quote that we started on. Jung said, Resistance to the organised mass can be affected only by the man who is as well organised as his individuality. I've written pink on pink, it's very difficult to read. Resistance to the organised mass can be affected only by the man who is as well organised in his individuality as the mass itself. So get as organised as your phone and you should be okay. More organised. Get more organised than your phone and you might be okay. Yeah. Know yourself better than your phone knows you and you might be okay. You might not buy those expensive jeans. And um, we've kind of... I don't know in future episodes how much of this topic we might want to go into in more detail. I'm certainly interested in going into more detail in what the subconscious is and ways of interpreting it because I won't even remember everything that's come up in this episode but just as a summary we've looked at me as a child and my dreams of my dad and all this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. just totally sweeping that under the carpet none of that has any resolution in this episode we've looked at the context of Carl Jung in the 1950s talking about communism and we've translated that to the threat of artificial intelligence to the individual in contemporary society and in the near future. We've talked about the difference between knowing yourself superficially, i.e. what you're aware of in consciousness, such as I'm a bubbly personality, INTP, I like cooking and travel, and really knowing yourself such as the things in your subconscious that really drive your behavior the things the unfulfilled childhood wishes the trauma and core beliefs from your childhood that we talked about in season four of the podcast things that are the real reasons behind the way you behave and the things you do and say and we've kind of danced around how you might be able to access the subconscious but didn't really want to include it in this episode in case we do an episode on the subconscious such as mindfulness, dream interpretation, behaviour study and more. And realistically it's too much for one episode but I don't regret it because the whole, the, the, the main gist of the episode, the reason why you should know yourself in contemporary society it being more relevant than ever is an interesting subject mm-hmm. but i think we need to come back to all this business like why meditate what's the benefit what is involved in meditation what what do people think they're going to get out of it that might be a false desire a, a symbolic goal that is of no use compared to what it can actually offer that's a whole different episode and that is probably one of the most helpful answers to the question of what we're asking now which is how do i get to know myself mm-hmm. this, this this episode has basically just answered why you should get to know yourself Because if a machine, a corporation, a state knows you better than you know yourself, you are not that consequential self that we talked about last week. Yeah, I think we've also only really given one reason, which is, you know, to beat the machine, to beat the mass. We haven't really given more um, 
personal individual reasons and more practical day-to-day reasons as to why knowing yourself on a deeper level is a important task to undertake. So yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more we can talk about. And we certainly haven't warned against the downsides though we have talked about this in previous episodes it's a painful unsettling process that creates chaos before it delivers order yeah we didn't look at that at all today no oh well so uh and there's my dreams of my un no undead father would be a zombie well whatever state he is in my dreams Uh uh-huh the best bookmark the idea that I felt like I could talk to my teachers as equals, there's some mileage in that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there is, yes, yes. Um, and uh, looking at what that might truly say about you. <laughs> well, there we go. We've opened up a can of worms today. And so why were you anxious and angry today? You'd been pissing me off for at least half an hour before we recorded, and uh, I didn't feel that we had an episode ready, so I think it was that. And then, um, you know, I'd gone outside and my plants had been shriveled by the sun because I'd forgotten to water them. And I've been having a few difficult days in work. I'm in a dynamic with someone who's at the same level as me in the organisation. Uh, and there's this, uh, this, this coronavirus all over the place. The, the BBC News 24 is only talking about coronavirus. The world is dying around us. Well, you haven't let yourself be worried by the continuing threat of global terrorism. Um, You haven't let yourself be worried by the continuing threat of global warming. You could have piled both of those on and made yourself way more anxious and angry than just by the current thing that happens to be occupying your mind, coronavirus. Insert appropriate time in the future. Coronavirus will be... I mean, Brexit is over from the news agenda coronavirus has very much picked up where about six seasons back to back of the brexit blockbuster took the news agenda in a world where dan has no control of coronavirus of the of global warming of terrorism of people at work who he may perceive are telling him to do things that he doesn't think they're whatever um of lack of toilet rolls of um, a housemate who criticises his timekeeping, where, where everything is seemingly out of control. One thing he can do is scratch the hairs on his neck, selfishly not caring about whether the listener finds that noise irritating. The same goes for vaping and letting in the cat and all that sort of stuff. So we'll see you next week on Private Practice. <laughs> From an passive-aggressive James Hall and uh, an enlightened, knowing he's aggressive, Dan Brown. Is that right? Yeah, that's fine, yeah. We'll see you next week. All right, goodbye. (laughs)